Good morning, and welcome to Faith on Hill's online Sunday service. We gather every Sunday morning in person and online. In person, we meet in the Milwaukee Oak Grove Gladstone area at our building on Hill Road, and uh, we are online every Sunday morning on our Facebook page and our website, faithonhill.com. If you're on either of them, we'd love for you to say hi in the chat. Uh, just say hello. Good to know that you're here. If you're on our Facebook page, feel free to share the video. There's an audio-only version on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. All you have to do is search Faith on Hill. Next month, we'll be starting our Church in the Field services. So uh, if you are uh, able, we'd love to have you join us in person. And then uh, in addition to that, we are still taking donations for the Wichita Family Center, specifically food donations. So even if you're not coming in person right now, but you would like to help donate, uh, you can message me and we can arrange a time for you to drop some donations off by the church. If you have a Bible, open to the book of 1 John chapter 3 as we continue our study on Christian living. And then afterwards, we're going to have a time of response through prayer and worship that we'd invite you to stay and be part of. All right, let's open our Bibles to 1 John chapter 3 as we talk about health and our hearts. Well, as we continue to talk about Christian living in the book of 1 John, today we are going to talk about heart health. Now, let's define what that means, heart health. The heart in, in the scripture doesn't literally mean the organ that pumps our blood and keeps our bodies going. It's speaking of our inner being, our inner person. I think you could describe the heart, biblically speaking, as the mysterious divide between soul and spirit. Human beings, I believe, are triune creatures. We have a body, a physical body that feels and, and has strength and also can grow weary. We have a soul, that's our emotions, our mind, our, our feelings and our intellect, and we have a spirit. And that is that uh, connection that we have to things beyond uh, this world, things beyond ourselves, things connected to eternity, body, soul, and spirit. Soul and spirit, the dividing line is often thin or narrow. It's hard to define. And it's in that place that I believe we're speaking of our inner being, of the human heart. Before we read from John chapter, 1 John chapter 3, I want to read from the writings of the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah uh, was a, one of the major prophets of the Hebrew scripture. And he prophesied uh, just before and during the beginning of the Babylonian captivity, which we studied recently when we studied the book of Daniel. And Jeremiah was prophesying, he was speaking God's word to the people. And God was speaking about there are those who uh, boast big, they talk big, they think they're doing great things, and then there are those who are quietly actually doing good things. And God says, I know. And, and God speaking through Jeremiah in Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10 says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their, disease, 
what their deeds deserve. So what God is saying through the prophet Jeremiah is he knows the inner beings, the inner persons of people, the things that are hidden. There are people who talk a big game. There are people who make a big show of all of the good works, quote unquote, that they do. And God says, I know on the inside whether their motives are pure, whether they really are doing good things or whether they're just talking a big game. I can see, says the Lord, what's really happening. The heart is deceitful above all things and only the Lord can know it. And again, when we speak of the heart, the human heart, we're speaking of the inner being, that connection between soul and spirit. Now, let's read from 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 19. And verse 19 says, This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and we receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and we do what pleases him. And this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commands us. The one who keeps God, God's commands lives in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Now here's the problem. John says, if our hearts don't condemn us, then we have confidence before God. But we just read from the prophet Jeremiah where he says that the heart is deceitful and wicked. Who can know it? How do you know if your heart is condemning you because it's telling the truth or if it's not condemning you because it's lying? John says we know because of the spirit of God in us. I believe there are, generally speaking, two types of people or of personalities or of predispositions when it comes to the human heart. The two types of people is this, the doubting heart and the prideful heart. The doubting heart and the prideful heart. The doubting heart is this type of person. They are the person who never sees themselves as good enough. They are the person who struggles to believe that God really loves them. They are the person who always sees their flaws and has a hard time seeing their value and their worth and their identity in Christ. The prideful heart, on the other hand, is the person who has no trouble believing that God loves them. The person who believes that they are doing wonderfully in their lives. And if God were to shine the light on them, they would say, that's not true. Look at all the good things that I've done. Look at all of the great works I have done. Jesus said there will be a time in the day of judgment where there will, people, there will be people who will stand before him and, and he will say, you are not one of mine. And they will say, but didn't we do all of these great things and didn't we, didn't we do all of these wonderful works? 
And he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. There's the doubting heart and there's the prideful heart. The doubting heart needs comfort and clarity. The prideful heart is the person who reads these words and then lies to themselves about who they are. So let's read again and let's first address the doubting heart and then the prideful heart. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, then we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. And there are people, good people, who are constantly struggling with a doubting heart. And even hearing this, they may go, oh, that is me. You're right. I'm bad. And, and there, there's this shame and condemn cycle just goes more and more and deeper and deeper. To that person, the message that John brings is a message of hope and grace and clarity. If you believe in Jesus, then you either by faith accept that God has forgiven all of your sins or you don't. It's there. It's a choice. It's faith. I either accept it or I don't accept it. It's a 50-50 chance. 50-50, well, it's a 50-50 it's a choice. It's one way or the other. There's no third way on that. And the person who has struggles and doubts, John says, if you feel that you are under condemnation, you need to know that God is greater than your feelings. God is greater than how you feel in this season. God is greater than what your heart is telling you. And if he says forgiven, if he says loved, if he says valued, then in faith we have to accept that that is the case. It's not, it's a false humility. It's a false humility to walk around with this sort of, oh, I'm the, I'm the worst. Oh, I'm such a terrible person. Oh, I'm just a wretched, wretched heathen. That's not how God sees you. And there are parts of the church. Uh, there's, there's a guy who, it's like, I'm so tired of people sharing his videos, but his, his channel is called Wretched on YouTube. What a horrible way to look at yourself because how Jesus sees you is love. And valuable, so valuable that he died and went through the agony of the cross for you. The doubting heart needs the truth of the grace and the mercy of God. Because otherwise we will just sit in our own self-pity and our own condemnation. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. How do we know? the Holy Spirit. And I'll talk about that more in a minute. There's also the prideful heart. The prideful heart. Have you ever met the, the person who has no evidence going on in their life of faith? I can't see the inner person. You can't see. I don't know if somebody's saved or not. But based on the outward evidence, there is no evidence of faith in their life. What do I mean by that? It can mean a lot of things. It's case by case. 
I'm not saying you have to do this, this, and this, then we'll all agree that you're saved. But, there's, but there is no evidence. And I, I believe this personally. I believe that just as the Bible says, with a multitude of witnesses, a matter can be established. And what that proverb means is, if, if you have two people and it's, and it's he said, she said, right? The, they say this happened, another person says this happened, how are you going to know? But if there are many witnesses who were all there or saw things from different angles and they can, you can piece together the totality of what happened, that's how you're going to really know. I believe that in the issues of faith and salvation and who we are in Christ, there are multiple witnesses. I believe that there is the witness of God himself that through the word, the Bible, the scripture, through the work of the Holy Spirit, that God testifies that any who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. That God testifies that God loves the world and anyone who has accepted his love has been made holy and pure before him. That's the first witness. The second witness is ourselves. And can I testify that I have experienced the work of God in my life? Can I testify that I, I believe in faith? Like nobody can see on the inside except me and God. And so I can say, yes, in faith, I claim Jesus as my Lord and Savior. The third witness is people. Because I can say that I believe in Jesus, but I could be lying, either to myself or others or both. I could claim that God has spoken to me. That's like the ultimate out, right? Like, well, God told me to do this. Well, how am I supposed to argue with that? You've heard from God. The third witness is people. And I believe it's collectively the church. I, I hope that there is no one who doubts my faith. Not that it saves me whether you believe I'm a Christian or not, but I hope that I would live my life in such a way that no one would doubt my faith. It's incredibly troubling when you come to a person and the people who know them, the people who have been collectively in relationship with them as part of the church, and then if you were to kind of do a straw poll, do you think that they're saved? Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. I've done a lot of funerals. The hardest funerals are the ones where people say, I don't know. I don't know. I believe that for the doubting heart or the prideful heart, we should look at these three witnesses and say, what are they saying? Okay, one witness for the doubting heart might say, oh, I'm, I'm condemned, I'm not, I'm not good enough. But the other two witnesses, most importantly, God himself is speaking to us. And then God's church, his people are also speaking to us saying, hey, you are valuable. You are loved. And God says you are worth everything because he gave everything for you. In fact, that's a ministry that we can have for each other. That if one of us comes into a season of, of doubt, the church can circle around them and say, no, this is what's true. 
Conversely, if we come into a season of pride and we stand up and we say, I'm doing really good, and the church circles around and in love says, we love you too much. We care about you too much to not say we are concerned. The human heart is deceitful and wicked. So I think we have to constantly be checking ourselves against what does the Bible say? What is the Holy Spirit saying? What is the people of God, the church collectively speaking? And this isn't just you. Oh, that's what you have to do. But what the pastor has to do is different. I mean, we have a team. We, it's, it's called the Pastor Parish Team. That's like an old name for it, but I've never found a better name. It just rolls off the tongue. But the Pastor Parish Team uh, is a team that speaks to me on behalf of the church. And if I were to just go sideways off the rails, they have the role and the responsibility to speak into my life and say, Adam, we, we see this and we care about you. And so we want to speak into your life. So, so don't think that I'm saying something that isn't true in my life. We always need to check how we're feeling against what God says and, and also what the witness of his church is. Because I could either get into a place of doubt and I just, I doubt and I doubt and I disbelieve what God is saying. Or I get into a place of pride and I start lying to myself about, oh, I'm doing real good. I'm doing, I'm doing awesome. And people around are going, oh, I don't know about that. So how can we have our hearts healed? Whether we are stricken with doubt or whether we are afflicted with pride, how can we have our hearts healed? First, verse 20, verse 20. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. If we have doubt or pride, God is greater than both of those things. God is our heart healer. Second, verse 19 says, this is how we know we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Now, I thought I knew all of the debated verses in the Bible. And I found out that verse 19 is a verse that academics and scholars are debating about. Some really don't like the translation, because remember the Bible was written in first century Greek and it's been translated into English and Russian and Mandarin and all of these different languages that people have the Bible in. But they say where it says, this is how we set our hearts at rest in his presence, that it really should be translated, this is how we persuade our hearts or how our hearts are persuaded in his presence. Other people say, no, that can't be right and set our hearts at rest is the correct translation. This is why I would make a terrible academic because I don't care. I think both of them are true. Whether our hearts are persuaded or they are set at rest, I honestly think it's the same thing. And I think it's just people with letters behind their name trying to justify a, a funding for a new class or a position paper or something. That's just me. Whether, we're tr whether our hearts are persuaded or set at rest, it happens in his presence. The healing for our hearts is found in God's presence. And I believe this is true. How do you enter the presence of God? Does it have to be at a church? 
Well, Jesus said, wherever two or more people are gathered in his name, there his spirit is. So I believe that when we gather together, whether it's Sunday mornings or in small groups from different house to house, uh, whether it is in person or whether it's virtually through Zoom, I believe that the presence of God is there in a unique way. And I never want to discount that. I do believe that those true believers who are not connected in, in a real life-on-life life kind of way in the church are missing out. That being said, I will testify and I will tell you that I have experienced the presence of God outside of the church. One of the most powerful encounters I have ever had with the presence of God was driving in my car on Interstate 90 in Bellevue up in the Seattle area. There was nothing special about the day, about the place, but in that moment I experienced the presence of God in a very special and and unique way. So much so that in my almost 40 years of life it sticks out as a very memorable moment. But I know that healing is found in God's presence. I believe that there are, the presence of God is always there in the life of a believer. But if there are times where it is harder for humans, us, to experience it, it's harder at times for us to experience it. So I do believe there are ways and there are moments where our minds, our souls, our spirits are able to be aware of God's presence, more so. I I believe that prayer is so powerful for that. I believe that silence and solitude can be powerful for that. I also believe that the noise of corporate worship can be powerful for that. I believe that, that there are ways and points and moments whether it's through the scripture, through prayer, through music, collectively, individually, that we can be more aware of the presence of God. Finally, in verse 24, as we talk about God as our healer, because he is greater than our hearts, and in his presence, we are either set at ease, set at rest, or we are persuaded of the truth in his presence. How? By the work of of God, the Holy Spirit. Verse 24, we know it by the Spirit He gave us. I believe that God's Holy Spirit is at work in the lives of people today just as He was at work in the lives of people the very first Christians back in the book of Acts. I believe that it looks different for different people. Absolutely. Some people are very emotional people, and so their interaction with God, the Holy Spirit, is very emotional. Some people are very cerebral and stoic, and so their interaction with the presence of God is very quiet and yet profound. I think one of the questions when we say, am I really a Christian or not? We should be able to ask, Have I seen the work of God's Holy Spirit in my life? 
Now, let's say that you believe you're a Christian, but that question is asked and you say, I don't know if I have. The answer then is prayer. Because maybe you've heard this idea of the Holy Spirit and how you perceive that is based off of the experiences of someone else. Somebody who came from a very emotional uh, um, charged experience of faith and you've never had that but then you read the writings or hear the testimonies of people who are very cerebral or stoic and you go, hey, that actually really matches how God has worked in my life. Maybe, oh, I've had the Holy Spirit working in my life and I just haven't realized it because I've just been limiting how that looks based off of someone else's experience. But we should be able to testify of the Holy Spirit. We should be able to testify of the work of God. If the difference between being a Christian and not being a Christian was literally just I prayed a prayer or I was baptized or I took a class or I show up on Sundays now, that just may be a schedule change. We're speaking about the change of soul and spirit, the change of lives. God in our hearts, us in his presence, the Holy Spirit working. Now here's the good news. If you do not know whether you're a Christian, maybe you're the person who has the prideful heart and you say, you know what? I have thought I was a Christian because, well, I just thought I was. I thought I was a Christian because of my own pride and maybe I'm not. Maybe you're the person with the doubting heart and you say, I just don't know. I believe that God can and will give an assurance of faith through Jesus Christ. Maybe you're a person who knows that you're saved, but you say, you know what? I feel like every example or, or testimony or story I would share as a witness of my faith is in the past. Six months in the past, six years in the past, 20 years in the past. I one time uh, was talking with a guy, and after a while I said, do you know every story that you tell of your faith happened decades ago? What's God doing now? I believe that there is a revitalizing work in the lives of Christians, a tune-up, a supercharge that is still available. I was strong in my faith in my teens. I was strong in my faith in my 20s. I was strong in my faith here, but now, months, years later, I don't feel that strength. God, will you revitalize my heart? Remember, John, who wrote this, was not a young man. He was not a young man, and yet God's spirit was still working and bringing vitality to his life and his faith. How's your heart health? Only you can answer that. And you'll have to go and say, what's the testimony of my heart? And then you'll have to check it against the testimony of God's people and of God himself. I believe this can be done through prayer. I believe this can be done through reflection. I believe this can be done through searching the scripture. I believe this can and will be done through living in the community of the family of faith called the church. If we have an accurate picture of where we are, then we can make positive steps forward. But if we want to continue to live in the deception that our hearts can bring upon itself, either that we're not good enough or that we're doing way better than we really are, then we'll never grow will never experience healing. And isn't that what we want? Don't we want growth? Don't we want victory? Don't we want healing? I know I do. And I believe that's what God wants for you.
And I want to invite you as we enter a time of prayer. Again, nobody can see in your inner being other than you and God. And as we enter a time of prayer, this is an opportunity, an invitation to take what we have heard and to bring it before God and say, here's what I have. Please, 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 I believe that you want to work right now. And I believe he does. Let's pray together. Well, as we have heard from God's word and heard from his spirit, I believe that it is now on us to respond to him. And we're going to enter a time of guided prayer uh, that is sometimes called Electio Divina. And so I am going to read from the book of Ephesians. And I want you to just key in on words or phrases that resonate with you. So as we enter this time of prayer, I invite you to enter a posture of prayer, whatever that looks like for you. For some people, it's sitting, others standing. Some have their hands folded, some have their hands raised, eyes open, eyes closed, as you are comfortable and, and in a place that focuses you on our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, as we read these words, I pray that you would open our hearts, our spirits, to key in on certain phrases, words, ideas that you would have for us. And as your scripture says in Ephesians 5, uh, 3, verse 14, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that our, out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be fulfilled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work with us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And as we have read those words, I'd invite you to speak out or write down or type in the comments what key words or ideas or phrases you have heard and that have resonated with you immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Father, thank you for that work. Thank you for that promise that you are doing more than we could ever dream or hope. And we pray that you would increase Christ in our hearts Increase your kingdom in our hearts so that we may experience that blessing. And as I read these verses again, I invite you to key in on what God is doing. What is God doing in the lives of Christians? What is God doing in your life? What is God doing in this world? For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you 
with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And speak out again, what do you see God doing? If you need to hit the pause button so that you can pray over these things, that is more than okay. But Father, I see your words say that you want to establish and root us in love together with all of your holy people. I pray that that would be true. I pray on a collective level that the churches who claim your name would see each other as sisters and brothers, that we would not be competitors or even enemies, but we would see each other as your people collectively together. We pray, Lord, your blessing on the churches in our area. Lord, we pray that you would bless good roots. We pray that you would bless and strengthen Two Rivers Church on McLaughlin. We pray that you would increase the work that you're giving Life Journey to do at Rex Putnam. Lord, we ask that you would continue to be with New Hope Foursquare over on Webster as they've been through a season of change and transition. Lord, we pray that you would bless Grace Point and Hope City as they work in Milwaukee. Father, we pray that our sister churches at Wichita and Harmony would increase in the work that you've given them to do. Thank you, Jesus, for these partners in the ministry that you have given us. And on an individual level, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us, your church at Faith on Hill, that we would be rooted and established in love together with all of your holy people that you have brought to be part of our church. And we continue to ask that that would be seen in more and more clarity and abundance. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. May the grace of God go with you this week. May the power of God's Holy Spirit and the victory of Christ be evident in your lives as we journey together as followers of Jesus in a fallen world. God bless you. We'll see you next week.